Cheers. 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 Ding, ding. Cheers. Ding, cheers. You said I'm the first woman? Yeah. First woman. Woo, cheers. Cheers. Cheers again. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Close the Gap Podcast. I'm your host, JR. Y'all know the vibes. If you guys really like what y'all see, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to comment. Um, again, I appreciate all the love that you guys have been sharing. Thank you guys so much. The giggling and everything. You gotta love it. This woman that I have on my right hand side of me, I met her while doing a project, not even just a project, an epic project that changed a, a street name mm-hmm. in a very a large city. A movement. A movement. Yeah, yeah. a movement, right? And it's a movement. we met then mm-hmm. and I asked her to be on the podcast for a few reasons. One was the work ethic that you showed during that project was amazing. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, you were you were on the text thread just going like, "Hey, this is done. JR, you got to, you know, do this." <laughs> and this is, you know, and you were moving. Secondly, you are the first female interview interviewer that I've had that oh. that is a business owner. And you're Hispanic. Yes. So, de lo mío, mi gente. De lo mío. Aquí está, you know? So, La I raza. definitely... That's right. <laughs> so, I, wanted, I want to introduce everybody to Sandy. Um, hi. Hi. Welcome to Thank the you. podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, Sandy, can you give every... Just... What's your origin story? Can you give the viewer some idea of who you are? Uh. So I'm a small, well now I'm a small business owner. I own a fitness studio <laughs> in Scott's Edition. Um, yeah. Do we need to stop? No, we, we keep on, we keep it, we keep it going. <laughs> we'll keep it going. Hi. <laughs> um, that's one of my instructors that's coming in to practice. Yeah, as you guys can tell, business never stops. Never stops. Um, so I own a fitness studio in Scott's Edition. We are a unique fitness studio because we specialize in dance and strength training, um, which is kind of different. Nobody's really done it that way. Right. Um, and when I say dance, it's like cardio dance fitness. And then uh, um, like when I say fitness, I think strength training like boot camps and we do a surf class. So we're in this unique niche of boutique fitness. We're here. I Before that, I was a longtime journalist. I worked as a news producer for 23 years. Um, in five different markets. I'm originally from South Texas. Okay. Um, I'm Mexican-American. I'm a fifth-generation Texan. Um, I'm a mom. I have three little boys. They are 16, 11, and 8. Um, I live in the far west end in Short Pump. And right. then I, like, you know... Commute all the way out. And yeah. I kick it in the city during yeah, the day. right. Um, so I live the dualities of, of what Richmond really is all about. Um, and and yeah, that's that's kind that's of me you, in a nutshell. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome though. Yeah. So then, what 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 about what were you doing in the media world? So I last was an executive producer. It means that I oversaw a team of producers who okay. build the newscast. So most people think that you know when you watch the news, you see someone's face on TV and you think that's well that's the anchor, that's the reporter, and. Th- they're driving the bus, but really there's a lot of people behind the scenes, people like me, who were writing the newscast, laying it out, kind of, you know, this is what we'll open with, this is the breaking news, right. this is the next story, the next story, here's weather, here's, they're laying out the whole plan of what the show's gonna look like, okay. and writing all the content. Okay. And then they're, you know, a producer also is, you know, meeting with the directors and the graphic artists and the, um, and the social media team, and uh, you know, you name it, the salespeople, everybody, and is trying to get stay on brand, right. keep the content accurate, you know, kn- know that they're checking everything for facts and it's balanced, right. um, and then you know, making sure that the reporters who are out in the fields are gathering all the information that's coming back in house and it's going to be presented and showcased correctly. So that's their job, and then ultimately you take it to the booth, what we call the booth, where uh-huh. we see people with the headsets, you know, take camera one, take camera yeah, one. Yeah, right, right. So that's the director. The producer sits right behind him. It's kind of like the pilot and the co-pilot. 
um, and you time out the show and you make sure it gets in on time, you make sure it gets out on time. So, you know, everything's clock driven at the end of the day because you got to get those advertisements yeah. in. So that's the job of the producer. It's a very big job and usually it's a young, younger person that comes right out of college and they take that job and then they stay in it for a while <laughs> and then they become executive producers and managers. And Did you always want to do that? I, I knew I always wanted to be in some sort of communications. Okay. I knew really young. Okay. I was the little kid who uh, would like write poems and write stories yeah. and um, loved to talk and knew that I was going to do something like that Right. really early on. Like I told my mom when I was um, probably seven, I'm going to write a book. Uh, and she was like, well, there's not a lot of money in writing books and people have to want to buy your Yo, book. Hold on. Don't, don't, hold on. I've heard the same thing from my parents. I remember, and this was, yeah, yeah. Uh, but my dream was like far-fetched. I think I told my parents I wanted to be a rapper. Yeah. I had like no bars, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I, yeah, can't yeah. Even, I can't even <laughs> kick a quick six. Like, that'd be awful. But like I told them, and then my parents was like, there's no money in that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, aw. That might be the Latin way, though. I, I think, think it might Latino be. Family, the they're Latino like, oh, whatever, you got no dreams. Right, yeah, like, you, know, you got to go to school, yeah. you know, and, yeah. And, and, and yeah, no art. Yeah, Don't, no let me talk. Art, let me tell no my art. family I would did art. They would yeah. have looked at me like, "Are you crazy?" No, I know. No, my, my mom. When I told my mom I wanted to be a journalist, she was like, "No, you need to be a lawyer." And I was like, I, I, I don't want to be a lawyer. She was like, well, you like to argue, so you should be a lawyer. Yeah, I got that too, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. And they make a lot of money. I'm like, no, no, I don't want to be a lawyer. Uh, I knew I wanted to do something. You know, journalists are basically, you know, civil servants. We're here for the public. Yeah. Like I, I said to you, you know, earlier, like it's, it's, const, it's written in the Constitution, freedom of the press. You're, it's one of our, you know, rights as Americans to have the right representation. You know, that's why we're not you know, getting fed propaganda, but right. so for me, that was like what I wanted to do. I wanted yeah. to be a part of that. And I, and I knew that I was a good writer. I enjoyed it. And I knew that I was comfortable speaking to people right. and like public speaking was a good thing. So I did, I thought I was going to be an Oprah Winfrey. Okay. I, you know, I was right. like, I, I did say that I was like, I'm going to be like an Oprah Winfrey. I'm going <laughs> to be an anchor. And then I got into college and I started taking the classes and I was like, maybe I'm going to be Oprah Winfrey's producer. Like, <laughs> 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 maybe I'll do maybe this. Right. I'll just produce for a Yeah, Winfrey. right. Yeah, but like I knew that that, that was the industry I was going to work in mm -hmm. and I wasn't really sure what my job was going to be. I just knew that that's where I belong. Those were my people. So did you did you start off in Texas or did you come, I guess, south or east or east, wherever, east. right? Um, so I, yeah, I went to college in a small city called Kingsville, Texas, okay. home of the King Ranch. You probably have seen Ford pickup trucks and they say King Ranch. Edition. Yeah, yeah. That's a real place. It's oh, is it? It's the largest, um, it used to be, it's the largest... Um, ranch in the United States, like land-wise, and uh, they raise their own I cattle there. That. And a piece of the land that the um, Claybergs, or the Kings, gave originally was my land given to my university. Right. Um, when I started going to school there, it was called Texas A&I, and then eventually it was purchased by the A&M system and became Texas A&M Kingsville. So during the middle of like my sophomore year, the name changed of the school, <laughs> uh, which was like a big scandal. But, um, <laughs> but it's about 45 minutes south of Corpus Christi, where I was born and raised. Um, well, for the most part, raised in that area. And um, so I didn't go too far away from home, mm -hmm. you know, and home for me was a little town called Portland, which was the, it, it's like saying you're from Richmond, but you grew up in Ashland. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you kind of grew up in this bubble, but like you could drive to Richmond really quickly. Right. I could drive to Corpus Christi really quickly. My grandparents lived there. So um, Corpus Christi has its own television market. Oh. radio market okay. it's very small at the time it was like market 129 um there's you know 200 markets in the united states so the bigger the number the smaller the market so it was okay. a very small station um there were three you know stations i went to work for the nbc station there called chris k-r-i-s and i i started as an intern and then i got hired as a, a production assistant and i worked there part-time during college and before i graduated from college i was hired as a producer um, and I was producing their overnight newscasts that went okay. on at 8 a.m. Right. Or 6 a.m. and got off at 8 a.m. Um, and so I worked there at that station for probably five years through through college. Yeah. Um, and then I knew, unlike most people, that I wanted to move away. I did not want to want live to my life in Texas. Right. I, um, I knew... You know, I, I watched a lot of television and I saw a lot of other places and I was like, I want to be in California. I want to be in New York. I want right. to be 
in Florida. I want to be somewhere else. Like I've lived my whole life in Texas and I, and I want to see everything else. And especially South Texas. If you know anything about Texas, there's, it's huge. And that, that part in particular, it looks a little bit like Florida. It's just, you know, hot all the time and there's the <laughs> beach and yeah, Pottery yeah. Island. And so I was like, I can just, uh, I can just taste fall. Like give me something else. You want winter. You know, I need you a winter. I need fall. I want some right. seasons. And so I moved away uh, in 1998. I moved away and took a job in Norfolk, Virginia. And I was oh, working yeah. at WBEC, which is Channel 13 there, okay. the ABC station. Um, I was their weekend producer, and I right. would fill in on a bunch of newscasts. I worked there for a couple of years, and then I moved to Birmingham, Alabama. Um, probably not the best decision, but I, <laughs> I, I went to work there, and I, I worked at the Fox station there. Um, and then I moved to Florida and worked in Tampa at a station called Bay News 9. And then 9-11 happened, and mm. I was kind of in this flux where, so right around Tampa, I guess I'd say, I got burned out. for. Okay. I was still young, but I got burned out. I'd moved around a lot, and I felt like I could just took a breather. I went to work for a nonprofit. I went to work for the American Cancer Society for about a year, right? And I also worked for the YMCA for a little bit. So I did some. Yeah, work. I did too. Yeah, so I did some nonprofit work, and I was working in a little bit in fitness. I was teaching a dance fitness program there, and 9/11 happened, and I, you know, looked up one day, and I was like, I need to be back in a newsroom. I need to be using my degree again, and right. I need to give my skills back to the United States or to our country. Like we're in, we're in duress right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to just go anywhere. I mean, I went and I interviewed at different stations. Uh, Miami was one of them and I got a call from Richmond, Virginia and they were like, would you like to come here and interview for us? And I was like, is that like Norfolk? Cause I was really <laughs> happy in Norfolk. Yeah. Um, cause I'd go back if it's like that. They were like, yeah, it's just It's like, kind of... It's not like it no, at all. it's not, it's not, not like all. it at all. Uh, and so I, I came in and I interviewed and I walked around the fan in the museum district and I felt like, you know, I, I could do this. I could do this. I could be here. Right. And so I, I came back and that was t- 2001. It was December, right after 9-11. Mm-hmm. And I have never left. So I stayed. So you are... So Richmond is home. Yeah, I would say now Richmond's home. Uh-huh. So, so then, okay... So you came after nine eleven. Mm-hmm. You were here. Walk me through that that transition from you saying bye to the broadcasting world. Mm-hmm. Hello, entrepreneur. I'm jumping into the pool. You know, I never thought I was going to own my own business. I, okay. I never, I never dreamed of that for myself. Okay. Like I said, you know, when I was a kid. You know, I knew I'd, I'd be a writer. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I still, I, th- I think one day I might write a book. I, I really think I go I for have, it. I have stuff to say. I'll read it. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you. I'll, <laughs> I'll mail you a copy. Um, but I didn't think about owning my own brick and mortar business. I never, I never thought of that. Okay. Ever. Um, I what I thought was going to happen was that I was going to work in news for the rest of my life. And then maybe I would turn that into some corporate position that, you know, because that's kind of how I was raised. Yeah. You know, Mija, you'll go to college and you'll get a degree yes. and you'll get a good job. Right. You'll make a lot of money and you'll work for someone that's, else and I, then that, you'll retire. That's, that's, that's exactly what yeah. I heard. You're going to, you're going to go to school and, and a job and get a good job. Now it's so scary because I don't think I can say that to anyone yeah. anymore. Yeah. Because a job isn't secure. Yeah. I mean... At all, yeah, no. regardless of what degree you have, mm-hmm. because if they're, they can be quick to say, well, we don't have any money, everybody gone, yeah. we're closing our doors, or you can leave. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I heard that, mijo, yeah. mira, and the- school, and then a good job. Right. Because my family, I, I'm a first uh, mm-hmm. generation here in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. My dad came from El Salvador, my mom's from Dominican Republic. Um, so they're immigrants. Right. So, you know, I, I still remember standing, doing the Pledge of Allegiance for my dad's, uh, like when they got their green card and they oh, right, did all right. that. You know, but we were- I For was, his citizenship. For his citizenship, thank right, you. Right, I was in the courtroom with my, you know, and I That's did- so sweet. The, 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 you know, the, the what the Pledge of Allegiance. That's sweet. Um, 
but just saying just just saying all that I, like i i get that like yeah. when you said that things just replayed in my head of just right. hearing job no school job and that's it yeah yeah so you know i i only did i, I had a dance program i think i told you i, I found it in birmingham Right. The YMCA? Um, no, I, no. I went to this little gym. It was a boutique gym just okay. like this. And they had this dance class there. And I, I found it and I loved it. And then when I moved to, to Florida, to the YMCA, I started one there. Oh, okay. And then I moved to Richmond and started another one. So, it, But for me, that was like a de-stressor. Right. I not like a career. Not a career. I had a career. Yeah. I thought this was just a way I want to work out. It would be right. like the same as going and lifting in the gym. Yeah. And I was like, this is the way I'm going to work out. So... I'm just going to take this program with me wherever I go. It would be right. like the same as like putting in a DVD and someone's working on it. You're like, well, this is what I do. I just shared it with a bunch of other people. Right, and right, they want right, to do right. it too. Right. Um, and so, you know, but it, it grew and it created, and I, I grew a following. There were women that How, only though? wanted to do that. How did you create that following? I think it was, I think it's a couple of things. I think that this, the program fed people who used to dance and used to cheer and used to uh, be on like color guard for like marching me. It right. really like quenched a thirst that like, you know, I grew up doing all of these kinds mm -hmm. of dances and then I graduated from college and now what? Like I'm not on a dance team anymore. I'm not going to go do that anymore. Right. And when I was doing that, I was really thin. You know, I stayed in great shape because it didn't feel like a workout, but I was really working out. Yeah. So they loved that. And so when I brought this dance program, it was like, it was kind of like, reliving all of that mm -hmm. but turning it into fitness it's like yeah. i already knew how to do that and now i'm using it still to stay thin and right. so it was like it was a good it was a good unique thing that no one was doing um mm. and it, like i said it was pre-zumba and it was like way after jazzercise so there was like really in the fitness industry there was really nothing like that so you filled you filled a, a, I filled a void, a void. i created there was a niche for it there was a market for it people wanted it but they just didn't know it yet. yeah they right didn't know it. right and you know i was i think too there was a couple of things you know because it wasn't my job because it wasn't my career I could love it more. Mm. And so that shined through. It was like, yeah. it's not, I don't need, I'm not doing this for the money. So when you're not right. doing something for the money and you just love it, it like pours out of you. And so, the, you know, I, the, I think the energy was infectious. I mean, I remember yeah. like going the first time and teaching class and walking in and standing in front of all these students and they were wearing like, you know, it was, it was like 19, like I told, or it was like 2000, it was like 2002, 2003. And women would come in the class, and at the time, gym wear, clo gym clothing, yeah, yeah. was like taking your boyfriend or your dad's old T-shirt, you know, and right. maybe you wore a pair of soccer shorts, <laughs> you know, long or whatever, and you rolled them up, or you took a pair of sweatpants and, and you, you cut, cut them up, up, and you cut them up. Guys were still going to the gym wearing like gray sweats and a sweatshirt, right, all sweaty, yeah, walking right. around gym belts on. Like that's how that was like the look. That was the style, that was right the there. Style. Right. Gym clothing kind of sucked in two thousand one and two thousand two. Yeah, yeah, did. yeah, yeah. No, it did. You wore what you had. And you're like, it smells clean. Let's put it on. Let's put it on, let's right? <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't about looking cute. Now, occasionally you saw a girl in there and she was just in her sports bra, right? Yeah. And like maybe some, you know, big shorts or maybe some tight short bicycle shorts. They were bicycle, bicycle shorts. Bicycle shorts at the time, yeah. Right, right. So, and you'd be like, oh, that girl. Hey, what is she like, wearing? Why is she, she wearing that? She's supposed to be looking at her. Right. So, the dude's like, yo, you see what she's wearing? Yeah. And so <laughs> then they weren't taking those girls seriously either. It was like, so the gym, the gym makeup at the time right. was all weird. It was just like, Girls had their side of the gym. Men had their, their side, side of the gym. Right. Fashion was all over the place. And then the classes that they offered, you know, were just like, I don't know. They were mostly weightlifting to choreography. There was not really this dance class. Right. So I really just came in at the right time. Right. I remember standing in front of this group of women and, you know, I'm wearing like, like basically like dance clothes. Like I'm a dancer. So I'm wearing like, you know, like a dance go top that might be like, you know, cut, cropped and dance pants, which were the first form of yoga pants they're okay. a little bit wider but they like fit they're that knit material right if you think about like jazz movies about jazz, jazz dancing or things like that those were the clothes that the ballerinas and jazz dancers wore yeah yeah and so that's what i'm wearing and like dance sneakers for dance and these women are behind me and they're in their cutoff shorts and they're <laughs> you know big baggy t-shirts and they all look like we call them no offense we call them gym rats they all look like gym rats right like they're just like in whatever they have yeah, to work out right, in. they don't right. care and you know i'm standing in front of them i'm teaching this dance fitness class 
And about a month later, I look behind me and everybody started to look like me. Like, right. Everybody got you. Everybody got <laughs> your style. Right. Yeah. Because it becomes this thing. It became, it became a way. Because your energy, right? Because right. like you were just saying, because you had, you came in with that, yeah. with that pure joy and you're not here for the money and you, and you had this vibe, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's contagious and everybody who's catching up that vibe, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to grab onto anything. Your clothes, the way you behave when you're dancing. Maybe there's a certain turn that you just like are yeah. killing it, and they're yeah. like, "Yo, I want to, I want to feel that that joy." Yeah, which is really cool, yeah. right? Because yeah, I think business owners, and this is just me just talking based off of my experiences with business owners. You have those business owners that still have that joy. Yeah, when they first started, mm-hmm. and it could be. 10 30 years i had a I had an interview with with the jeweler uh jay sharp here in, in in richmond you can tell in his voice that he still had the passion mm-hmm. of of creating jewelry but then you sit down on the other on the other side of the coin you have these other business owners that you don't it's like damn you why are you still doing it? It yeah. sounds like you are the most unhappiest. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be that guy. But, I mean, the whole point the point of me even mentioning that is it's just awesome how you saw that transition because of who you are, who you brought to the stage, and that energy. I think some of it was that. I think the other thing is I, I started to introduce a different workout to women. Right. And, and it was dance-based. Right. And you bent over and you kicked your leg high and you did turns and you, you know, and suddenly you recognized that the clothes you were wearing were maybe not the right clothes because maybe, like, when I bend over, I don't want everyone seeing everything in right. my shorts, you know, or when I fan my leg over, like, I don't want that. <laughs> right. Or when I'm, like, just dancing and jumping, I don't want my T-shirt to be so big and right. boxy. I want to feel like I'm in control of my dance movements, mm. not like my clothing's inappropriate. Right. And plus, the better my clothing looked, the more it matched, right? The better I felt when I walked into the room, so the harder I was going to dance. And the, yeah, You know, right? so there was, like, it was all of this and it was part of like a wave and a momentum of changing fitness for women um and even now like i look at it now i see all these programs like crossfit and um and uh and you name it bar and the women are wearing these really cute outfits and women are like stacked man you like see all their big biceps and their six packs and their quads and i'm like yes it's scary no but but it's for me it's like yes we are finally at a place where a woman can modify her body and look strong yeah. and or look like a dancer or whatever she wants and that's totally acceptable or it should be right no it is. i think it, i think it, you're right because it used to be like i said it used to be like the gym bunnies like yeah. oh, look at that girl she's wearing the bike shorts and a little bra and now it's like no 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 i mean she's here to be serious too she just needs that inspo the outfit is you know her inspo and i think that's whatever. i think that's tight because um as as a father of a of a of a young of a young daughter, mm-hmm. like you said, back in the day, if you saw a woman with muscles, and I say it scares me because I'm afraid she might beat me up. I'm right, right. Lie. I like, know what you meant. You know what I mean? They might take my lunch money. Like, get out of here. Like, no, you're not going to debo yeah. me. You know, you're stronger than me. But it's acceptable. Yeah. And that's what's cool because you can't judge. Now when they come in, when a woman walks into a gym, for example, yeah, she's there to do, yeah. to work as hard are harder than the men, but if she has muscles, she has a biceps, or she mm-hmm, has mm-hmm. strong legs, it's not looking at them like, ew. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, 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 okay. Like, Well, I think, too, it used to be that when you saw a girl lifting in the gym, you uh, sometimes men were just like, hmm, they were ogling at her. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, like, I want that girl. But I think now that you see a girl and she's shredded, the guy's like, man, I need to lift more. Like, I need 100%. to get out. I, I think need to get out there because that chick is, is shredded. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I see that all the time. Like, I, I'm with guys now that go, that chick is jacked. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And I'm impressed because I know the discipline that it takes to get to that. And I've always known it. I was always very athletic. I played right. soccer growing up. And I did swim team. What position in soccer? Um, I was a midfielder. Left midfield. Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. And then I got old and injured, and then I played defense. But that's no shame in my game. Right. I'm still very fast. I just, uh, you know, I think that I was always an athletic type of kid. Right. You know, I did marching band. I did, I did soccer. I did swim team, and I danced. And so for me, like that's, you know, I never like it when it's like 
you know, oh, you can't look athletic. You can't yeah. have the athletic physique, right. you know, you need to right. be softer, you need to be skinnier, whatever. So I really like where we are in the fitness world right now. I, I think that's good. It's good for women. And I think it's good for men too, to just see that like, you know, it's all about transformation and discipline. And So then speaking about discipline and that transformation, mm-hmm. how, what was that transformation look like for you? And when was that transformation to say, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and get this brick and mortar. I'm gonna turn the keys and I'm gonna keep take control of my own destiny. Yeah. When was when was that and how did like describe to me that mindset of like you just saying, you know, like we were talking it. about, I'm gonna go for it. Uh, you know, it took a long time. I, I like I said, I like calculated risk. And so I taught it was easy to teach that dance class at that gym. Yep. You know, I just walked in, threw my bags down, taught. Right. They paid me. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have to worry about anything. I didn't have to worry about the bills and the lights and the taxes and the insurance. I didn't have to worry about any of that. Um, so I, but I stayed, so I stayed there for a really long time, about seven years, mm-hmm. maybe more. Mm-hmm. And then it, I slowly migrated to a place where I rented studio space. Okay. So for four years okay. I rented studio space from the ballroom studio in town. Okay. And then I was in charge of the money that I got, but I paid a port, I paid a rent. Again, my name wasn't on the lease. Yeah. I didn't have the utilities to worry about. No, like but real I, risk. Yeah. But I did cut one check and it went to the lady <laughs> right, who owned the place. And then I... But I took in my membership money, and okay. I ran my membership right. separate of her. Um, membership so I, high then? No, no, it was. I mean, it was higher than it had been at the gym. The gym was very inexpensive, I think. So it was double that. Okay. But still less than what people pay now. Right. Um, and we did that for four years. Okay. And through that, I kept getting an even bigger push. So I told you I got one push from my friend Tracy, who said to me, "Yeah, who we have mutual friendship right. with." Uh, Tracy said, "You know, we think you should start your own business." That was back in like 2004, but the after the second move, uh, when I was kind of doing it for myself, I had another group of women that were like, "We think you should do this for yourself," and that that noise, kept you know, that it, audience right. got—it's not noise; it was like audience got louder. Yeah. It was like this chanting, and I was like, "Oh, maybe I should be doing this for myself," mm. and kind of started to get that confidence. Yeah. Like I said. I like I can take risk, but it's got to be very calculated. And I started to see the numbers, and when I was doing my own numbers and seeing the money coming in and going, you know, if I, you know, I'm not a very good math person, so I did like fuzzy math. I'm like, if I had this many people come over and I charge them this amount, I could probably make it work. I could probably get my own studio. Yeah, yeah. Now I got to just find the right place. And at the time, Scott's Edition, it wasn't even that it was up and coming. It 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 was, for me, it was. It was across the street from Channel 6, which is where I worked. Right. Convenient. It was convenient. I could get there if I needed to meet someone quickly. Yeah. Uh, I could get a lot of studio space for not a lot of money, and I could probably get exactly what I needed, you know, a place big enough to put all the mirrors and the sound system. Right. And to, like, have two bathrooms and, you know. So those were the priorities. Okay. It wasn't even about, like, oh, I'm going to be in the hottest neighborhood in Richmond. Yeah. Because I don't think at that time... No, four years ago, wasn't no, it? No, it wasn't like this. No. Four years ago, I mean, you couldn't get anybody down here. There was no. hardly anyone driving around. Right. It was it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I've only been in Richmond, I think, for six years, and I was... Telling, telling Brian earlier uh, when I was here, I was like, man, driving here, mm-hmm. if anybody has been in Scott's Edition in, in Richmond now, mm-hmm. it's an amazing spot. It is. It's hot. Breweries, mm-hmm. restaurants, people walking up and down. Yeah. Legitly, four years ago. It was not. No. no. You're not coming down here. There was yeah. nothing for you. You don't see You don't see the people walking with their dogs, their little dogs. You don't, yeah. you don't see any of that. And so you saw, but you had a vision though. Sort of, yeah. I mean, I did. I had a dream, right? Yeah. And I was like, I think I could make this happen. I had clients tell me they weren't going to come down here. They didn't follow me because I was going to a dangerous neighborhood. Mm. You know, that's funny to think of now. Yeah, think of now, right? Looking at this. It was dangerous and they didn't. We just seen a crowd of people wearing the same thing, didn't we? It was so much, yeah, it was so much graffiti. It's funny because it's not lost on me. Like, I see people like that, you know, like we just see people walking by right now. But I see people walking around now, and, like, they're, like, in their 60s, and they're holding hands, and you can tell it's, like, a date night. It's, like, yeah. a husband and wife. And, and you can tell they, they're not from this area. And they're, like, walking around. Or I see, you know, women pushing their babies now or young people running through, riding their bikes. And I'm like, man. Right? Four, four years, years ago, ago. I couldn't get people to come down here. I was like, please come down here. Right. Please. It's amazing. And actually, crime was really low because nobody was, I mean, it's still low, but it was really low then because 
Nobody was here. No one. It, it was, was like, it was, it was, it was a ghost really, town. It was, right? These yeah. shops were empty. It was. It was a ghost town. There was like, you know, the, those homes and the homes over there and ba- basically one or two apartments. I mean, it was just not the way it is now. Right. And so, so yeah, that was, I mean, that was it. So I, I worked both at Channel 6 and had this studio okay. for about, for probably a, a little over a year. And then I, I said, that's it. I, I've got to pick one. It's time. It's time to pick right. one. Right. What 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 was what was some of the factors of you saying it's time to pick one? You know, selfishly, I, I had three little boys that I felt like I didn't I wasn't watching grow up as much as I should. Okay. Um, you know, I felt like I was paying a lot of people a lot of money to help take care of my kids. Right. Day- daycares and nannies and after school places and babysitters. And I felt like I was missing out on them going to like field trips yeah. and, you know, helping in the classroom and things like that. So selfishly, it was it was part that I also felt like um, there was not as much appreciation for me in the newsroom anymore. Okay, it was time to advance my career and become a news director or be, or go run another newsroom. I was really kind of getting to the end of the life of a journalist in that newsroom. Okay, um, and it was time to switch gears. But I wasn't ready. I'm not ready to leave Richmond. So it was right. like I kind of, you know, I can either go across the street and work at another television station here yeah. in town, or I can just get out. Um, and so that was like the second big thing. The third thing I think was how much happiness and joy it brought me to walk in here. Right. Because, you know, I, there was a definite difference. You know, I I would go to my nine to five or nine to seven, whatever (laughs) it was. And I would, you know, have to tell people to do things they didn't want to do. Yeah. I need you to go to the bad neighborhood and go cover this murder. I need you to work late. I need you to work tomorrow morning. I need you to work on your weekend off. Right. You know. I had that, and then, you know, and then I come over here, and, like, people are really happy to see me. And you're happy to be here. And I'm happy to be here. They, like, want to dance with me, and they want to work out with me, and they want to go have beers with me. And so it just became very obvious that, like, my quality of life, my salary is probably going to be a lot smaller. Right. My quality of life was going to be a lot better, and my life experience was going to be a lot better for my family. Yeah, I think for me, Sandy, is is that that's where I'm at, you know, is finding... And doing what makes you happy, mm-hmm. and right, and and I tell you know, the viewers, and even on you know my social media and things of that nature of, just doing something that makes you happy, mm-hmm. and it's not impossible, yeah. right? Because, yeah. like you were saying, you didn't wake up, you you weren't five years old saying I'm gonna own a dance studio, no. right? Right, and or any business, or any business, but. You found, and it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be an entrepreneur to find happiness. You just need to find, to do something to make you happy. Right. Right? And I think that's what people struggle with now. Right. Is that. Yeah. Is to find that happiness, and when they find it, is actually doing it. And it's okay. You might have to take little L's, meaning you might get paid less, like Mm -hmm. you just finished saying. Mm -hmm. Um, But you getting paid less... Does that mean more time with your family? Yeah. Does that also mean you're actually happy when you wake up and you do whatever it is that makes you happy? Yeah. Happiness for me is important, especially now uh, when we hear so much of the other crap that's going on in the world yeah. that makes you just be like, damn, like, is there anything good in the world? You know, I mean, we talked about that a little bit, you know. Um, offline uh, when it comes down to what we see on TV. Mm-hmm. I tell you, I get my news on Twitter. I'd rather read it on Twitter than rather looking on TV and seeing yeah. the struggle and seeing people be unhappy. Um, so I push that and I, and I love the fact that you were very self-aware of what made you happy and you were like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And I commend you for that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's amazing and and yeah. Anyways, sorry, I can keep praising you all day. I'll take but uh, but um, tell me what's going on now with you in, in, in your in your studio. What's what's going on? So you know, I, I I've grown it, and it's still growing, and we're still doing great things, and I love it, and it's still it's still a passion project. Right. Um, how long? How long has it? How long have you been here? So 
it will be our fifth year in February. February 21st okay. is our fifth year. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. It's a big deal. It's um, a huge deal. It's a big deal to own a business and go more than a year. Yeah, I was about to say, years. right? They say if you hit five years and you're officially a success story in, okay. in business, if you can keep it open for that long. Because it's such, like, because most businesses close, close their doors. Close their doors, yeah. First year. First year. Yeah. Um, so that's good, right? Yeah. And I think... You know, I was fortunate um, when when people think about opening a business, sometimes they just have an idea and then they just forge into an idea, you know, um, but I was lucky. I had an audience that followed me for years. You know, I grew them from the right. gym, then I grew them from that ballroom studio. And so that's where, that's what's different about my story. Yeah. Is it, again, calculated risk. Yeah. I, I, I didn't just say, you know what, you're right, I have a dance program, I'm going to open my own studio. Come Open the doors, come in. It was like, you know, the group grew and then... I opened. Right. Uh, a lot of people believed in me. A lot of people believed in me. A lot of people helped That's me. That's nice. A lot of people helped me. It was a village. You right. Know? Um, friends, members, family. It was a lot. I can't say that I did that by myself. There was a lot of people that made the movement happen. Nice. Um, but I think now what, you know, I, I have said before, and I will say again, I always thought it was about this studio. I always thought that it was like I'm going to be take my passion and something mm-hmm. I love and I'm going to open a business right. and I'm going to be very successful for that. And now what I see is the studio has afforded me relationships with people mm. and what my real, my real life's purpose is so different now. Mm-hmm. It's not about owning a dance studio and teaching dance. That's what I thought. Right. But what it is about is creating relationships and communities that either orbit the business or orbit around and you know kind of become these other things that's awesome those are so those are my gifts to the world right that that i am good at connecting people that i am good at like carrying you know throwing a lot of balls in the air that i learned through news yeah or writing that i always had those right. passions creating you know relationships with people i don't know right um getting in front of an audience whether i'm teaching class or talking it's like those were all skills that i had and I had them in my pocket, yeah. and I didn't realize that if I kind of shook the whole pocket, that like it could create some new thing. And it isn't has. it crazy? It's crazy, right? Because my parents always said, "Jar, you 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 have the gift of of talk." Mm-hmm. Never knew what they meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got a digital degree. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm behind a computer. Who am I talking to? Sure. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. not talking to anybody. And I started realizing when I had conversations with you when I first met you, uh, to anybody, we can actually have a pretty decent conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I didn't know what to do with that. Right. But like you just said, if I shake the pocket a little bit, shake my pockets, ta-da, I, know. I a got a podcast, a whole new thing. A whole new thing. whole new thing. So now I use my gift of gap, mm-hmm. right, to be able to produce some and decent content. And the technology content. that you already and know. The technology, right. Yeah. And then slide it in and now I can market Exactly. Right, and right. I can do it my do yeah. it myself. Yeah. Um, so, before we leave, what advice would you give someone? Really, I want you to think of it two ways. General advice mm-hmm. to anybody looking to do a transition from a career to open up their own doors. Yeah. And really, it's really important for me again because I have a daughter. What advice would you give young women? Mm. Or not even young women, just women in general, to either in corporate America looking to bust open the doors, <laughs> or or corporate, or, you know, or women just saying, you know what, I'm going to open up my own business. Yeah. So twofolds advice that you would give, just general. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then specific advice that you would give a an aspiring woman entrepreneur. So. God, we could have a chapter two. I know chapter we're we're going to have to because we have to talk about this Arthur Ashe we do. eventually. We have to talk about Arthur Ashe. Yeah. So, I think first of all, if you're going to start a small business, I think it's important. I one of the things I follow now more than anything is the lemonade stand advice. Okay. So when you're a little kid and you think about starting your own lemonade stand, mommy, I'm going to go sell lemonade out on the street and see if I can make some money. You will just go and sit outside. You'll take a picture of Country Time Lemonade, right? Yeah. Just mix it up. It may not even be Country Time. It could be from Walmart or whatever it is. That brand. <laughs> just mix it up with water. Put it in a pitcher. You don't even put ice in it. You grab some of your styrofoam cups. You sit outside. You take a, a poster board that like maybe your brother used for a science project. You turn it over on the other side and you write, Lemonade, five cents. All right. And you stick it out. Right. And you sit outside. And you're in the sun. And you wait for someone to buy it. And then eventually they buy it. 
and you start selling on lemonade. And you walk back in, you're like, Mom, I got $5 today. Yeah. She's like, oh, mijo, that's so great. Right. So then you get excited. You're like, you know what? Tomorrow, I'm going to, like, you know, sell more lemonade. I'm going to put ice in it. And I'm going to, you know, so now Mom is like, oh, I got to go buy the ice. It's going to cost 79 cents, right? <laughs> and, you know, then you're like, oh, and I want these cool cups. I don't want this styrofoam. I want it to have cool flowers on it or something. And you keep upping the game. You keep upping mm. the game. And, like one day you know before you know it you're like freshly squeezed right and then like you know you got a custom sign made and a custom table and now your lemonade is you know three dollars a cup four dollars a cup and maybe people aren't buying it as much Mm -hmm. so like i think that what happens is when we become entrepreneurs we get ahead of ourselves and we stop reminding ourselves that it's just about the lemonade you give good customer service you give a good cup of lemonade on a hot day right it has value at five cents ten cents right you know nobody cared about the cup nobody cared about the pitcher nobody cared about your cheap sign no no they just cared about the lemonade. lemonade The lemonade. And so what happens, though, is we start to go, you know what? I need a bigger sign. I'm going to make it out of neon, and, and I'm going to have crushed ice, and I'm going to get an ice machine, and it's going to cost me $300. And yeah. like, you start to get so far ahead of yourself that you forget what the core thing is. So I'd say that's the number one thing to keep in mind as an entrepreneur, okay. that if you have a service to offer, if you have something to offer, you don't have to go run full speed. You don't, just because, mm. you know, there are a lot of people, when I see people and they have, like, you know, high dollar studios or high dollar businesses or whatever. I look at them and go, you've got lots of debt. Lots of debt, you've got right? got lots of debt, which is going to cut into your profit. So, if, you know, f- again, I'm not a big math person, but that's fuzzy math right there. I can, or if that's, you know, clear math to me right there that you can tell. A lot of investors, a lot, a lot of debt, that. a lot of super fancy means you have little yeah, I think you hit on a point, and I know we say we're going to wrap, but we're going to keep going because I love the point that you just made right there when it's taking your time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's because a lot of entrepreneurs, new especially, think they need to go ahead and fill and get debt. Mm-hmm. Let me get that studio. If we're sticking with the same vertical, let's, let's, let me get this studio. Mm-hmm. But I, I need to get the high-end high end system, mm-hmm. Sandy. Yo, I have to get the hardwoods that, that got the springs on the bottom. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. I, and I got to get all the glass, you know, from the ceiling to the floor. Yeah, yeah. Cha-ching, 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 right, cha-ching. Right, right. And all you really need to do is go back to the lemonade. Right, right. Put the floor down. Put the floor the down and get, and, okay. get, and get a sub yeah. or get a speaker. Yeah, get like right, a right. little speaker. Right, right. And do the dance. Exactly. Why get in debt? Because what happens is not going to be able to afford that right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to close their doors because they don't have enough right. revenue coming in right for whatever reason yeah boom but you have that debt and i love the fact that you mentioned that so the it's lemonade, your time. Stand. lemonade, lemonade stand. stand you got to think about that that's yep. how it it's can be this small and it can grow really really big mm. people get too far ahead of themselves right and they close uh i think that's one i think as a hispanic woman i think there are a lot of challenges that i've faced uh, it's better. It's better. I try not to like stick on labels. I try right. not to be like I'm a Hispanic bi- female business owner. I try to be just like I'm a small a business, business owner. Um, but I will say that you know it's 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 difficult. I think that like if I you know come to somebody and I say you know like hey will you invest? There's there might not be the same. You know I I have conversations with men who who are often approached about you know, by investors who want to give them money. And it's very quick, you know. And I got to tell you, that's never been my story. I've never really had people just like throw in chunks of change. (laughs) Right, okay. I want to help you succeed. I want to help you grow bigger. Right. Um, But I do hear it from men from similar businesses, you know, fitness businesses and other kinds of businesses that are kind of in the same wheelhouse. I'm like, man. Um, I do think, too, that sometimes as a woman, you know, while we can juggle a lot, uh, I think we tend to be a little bit more emotional and a little more attached to things. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes even with clients and, and doing a customer service type of business, people right. think they can challenge you a little harder. Right. But that they wouldn't necessarily, like you would never talk to me like that as a man and question my prices or question that like, I know it. Um, but you know, because I'm a woman, like you're ready to like, yeah, you know, try to, sh- try to shake me for something less and try to get me to buy, you know? Right. And then if you're too hard and you're like, no, nah, I'm not giving in to you like that. It's like, Oh, Everyone's a bitch, you know. Right. Like, and so it's just so there's this, and I I've heard it about other you know women in this industry too. They have reputations for being too hard, mm-hmm. um, and so there's this you know people expect you to be a certain way. So there's a balancing act. It sounds like. 
It is. It is. Um, so, so yeah. So it, there is there is a little bit of struggle. I, I will say, you know, I'm I'm not. I was first in my family to go to college, and Same. and um, and in my you know I had I had some some family members, but it was kind of pieced around like yeah. you know oh I had an aunt I had a cousin on this side yeah. you know it, it's not like everybody went and they're just the given that we're right. all going right um, big and, facts and so I will say that you know we are in a really good time as women and as Hispanic women I think where we can be whatever we want to be and we can push the glass ceiling as hard as we can you know can and we can and we can really try hard yeah it's, but but it's still a little bit of a harder fight right than than some but you gotta fight though but you gotta like fight. regardless mm-hmm. right you have to fight it's, yeah. it's a little harder but i think that builds like calluses right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and it yeah. gives you a little you know tougher skin yeah because regardless of what business you're trying to get into it's going to be tough right you know so if you have that if you have that yeah. thick skin from the adversity or the challenges yeah. and, the, and those crazy seasons yeah right it just makes you a little a lot a lot stronger i will say some of the biggest challenges i faced as a woman were not so much about my ethnicity i think i think some sometimes people didn't even know what my ethnicity is right but i think some of the challenges i faced were when i became a mom and how the job expectations were that i would deliver and that my family would Uh, be second or last right you know and it was like you know, my little boy's sick. I gotta go, and it's like, well, look, you know, you you gotta decide. What do you want? You want your right, job? Right. What do you want to do? Right. Take that little boy, and like it, it just was. There was a lot of that, especially in news. It came first. It doesn't stop. Mm, and so, I you know, so people. That's why I said people were taking care of my children, and and I think that that's that's the hardest part. I think about being a woman. Right. And if you're gonna have a family, it's that balancing act of like, can I have my career? Can I be a good wife? Can I be a good mom? Yeah. Can I have all these things? Yeah. And I think that that really, we just need to do better as a society in supporting mm. women, working moms, especially. That every I try to be a villager in more villages. Like when I know somebody who's got a baby and they're like a child care issue, I'm like, well, I got an hour or two, I can help you out. I mean, I definitely know my way around some babies. I can, you know, <laughs> right. I had three. Um, you know, so I try to offer that as much as I can. Take someone's kids to the museum awesome. or help or whatever I can. Because I think that that's important. There's a lot, you know, when, when you and I were younger and even before that, families stayed together. They didn't move away from each other. No. You know, your abuelita took care of you. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Your aunt and uncle took care of you, whatever. Um, uh, you know, maybe mom you know, you call your mom, your mom, can you come over and watch the kids? And there was no babysitting charge. They just did it. No, they just did it. This is it. Did it because they're family. Yeah. So now what happens is I move away from home. I raise my three kids and I'm paying all these people to watch my kids. But normally that would have been done by the family. Family, And right. it would have been rich on so many levels. I'd have more money. My kids would have quality time with family. Yeah. And I would know that everybody was well taken care of and happy. My my mom's happy to watch the kids. The kids are happy to be with her. You know, it's like that would that's the, the way it was. Right. It's not like that anymore. No, it's definitely not. And so I think we if we are going to do better as a society and, and uplift everyone, we need to be more engaged with each other right. and helping in those things. You got a friend that wants to start a business, what can I do to help you? Right. How can I help you? And not not just telling people about your friend's business, but really getting in there and being like, I'm gonna really help. Yeah, give them some value, yeah. not just by yeah, like you just said, yeah. like not not just sitting there like, hey, go to so and so's place. Yeah, it's yeah. really sitting with your friend and being like, hey, let me help you with whatever I'm I'm good at, right. digital or you know the social media or just value. Well, I, what I say is what used to happen when we thought about references or when we thought about entrepreneurship, we we did something like where we pointed an arrow, like I'm going to tell people about you. And then you're going to point in an error and you're going to tell people about me. And you feel good about that. Right. You're like, you're going to refer me, I'm going to refer, refer you. you. Bye. Okay, good to, to shake on it. But what I think is better is when you think of things in a circle. I'm going to help you, you're going to help me. You're going to need me, I'm going to help you. And we're going to be there for each other. And it just comes in a circle. It's like yes. you really invest. Yes. So it's like, I'm not just going to tell people about your business. I'm going to go work at your business today so that people see that I'm there. And then you're going to come to my studio and you're going to take a class. And then, you know, you're going to have your wife come through. Mm. And then, you know, we're going to get together on another project. And it's like, dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, Instead of just lines because anybody can point lines right right like that that's a exactly know, that's an advertisement but if you really want to be friends with other entrepreneurs you need to think about like how you can add value to their business um one of my good friends 
well, she wasn't a friend at the time. I met her at a workshop that I did. I, right. led, I led a talk at an, a women's event on New Year's a couple of years ago, and she was in the audience. And she was uh, an accountant who was launching her own um, event planning business. Her okay. name is Nadia Anderson. And um, she came up to me, and she loved what I had to say right. and wanted to know more about my studio. And then she came in, and she started taking classes, and she became a client. And she came up, and she introduced herself again and was like, I was at your workshop. I was like, yes, I remember you. And um, so she said, yeah, I'm starting my own event planning business. It's called Virginia Grace Events. You know, if you know somebody who wants, you know, event planning, please yeah, let me know. right. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, if, you know, somebody tells me they're going to have a party or they're getting married, I'm, I'm going to send them your way. She's like, cool, thank you. Pointing lines. Yeah. She walked out of the door, and I said, I remember thinking, I can do better than this. I can do better than this. So I called her, and I was like, can you meet with me tomorrow? She's like, yeah. And I said, I just, I've been thinking about it. How can I help your business and you help my business more than just pointing a line at mm, each other? That's so I powerful. said, you know, we do events here. I do parties for my members all the time. I have a member appreciation party. I might bring a DJ in. Why don't you do those parties for me or help me do them? I'll pay the money yes, and so. I'll brand it that right. you're the event planner. Right. Um, and then you can tell your clients that you work out that here. circle. And then like we'll just connect the circle. And you know what? It worked. And we became best friends actually. And we uh, started referring each other. And it just kind of... And it was like... It, it, it all started with just stopping down and saying yeah. like you know how can I help you and then she needed social media help and I had someone that I knew that I could send her way to help right. her with social media started giving her pointers on her website she started sending me website copy because she knew that I had done that you know in my prior life at Channel 6 or at the television station right. so I started you know reading her website reading her copy for her um, and and you know now when she does it's events it's like building a small community yeah she does events and they're like we might need press release we might need PR help She's like, Sandy, you want to help? So it's like, it just becomes a revolution of... Sandy, I appreciate your time. I'm so glad we Thank did you this. so yeah, much for, for being here. Can you tell the people where they can reach you at? Um, social media, anything you want to give them? Um, our website is turnrva.com or turncardiogamstudio.com. And we are located at 3105 West Moore Street in Scott's Edition. Um, and just come on by. We're lucky to have... Everyone come Stop by, by, guys. Stop it's beautiful here. It's beautiful. Dance, work out, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's good to meet you. All again. right, guys. <laughs> you guys remember, you guys know the vibes. Thank you guys again for tuning in. If you guys liked it, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Leave your comments. Check Sandy out. Come by the dance studio if you guys are here in Richmond. Um, again, thank you guys. Peace.